0: He flushed out all the selfishness and flushed in all the love. And folks, the hope of this world in all of its mess and stress and distress is in that baby who died for us and who puts
1: love in our hearts. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Other religions say that Jesus was born a normal baby, that he grew up to be a good philosopher and a fine moral teacher. But what does God's word say? Who is this child born in a stable? The savior of the world? Here's David with a Christmas Eve message called Unto Us.
0: It's the most important question that any of you could ever ask. Who is this child? A mere mortal? A good person a great teacher a fine philosopher or is he truly who the bible says he is the savior of the world who forgives our sins allows us to have eternal life the christ which isn't his second name jesus christ it means his position the anointed one of god and the king of all kings and lord of all lords that's who the bible says this child is but yet we have all this mess Stress and distress that surrounds us. The world seems to be calamitous in so many different ways. How do we reconcile Jesus ruling this world with it still being such a mess? And that, folks, is the essence of the Christmas story, answering that question. The Christmas story really doesn't begin with the baby in the manger, as important as that is. The Christmas story really begins in the heart of God throughout all eternity. What Christians believe is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A mystery, yes, but what the Bible clearly teaches, we don't believe in three gods, we believe in one God who has three different persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they have perfectly loved one another forever. You know, for love to exist, you have to have the lover, you have to have the beloved, and you have to have an eternal commitment. That's the only way love can exist. For the lover to have a beloved and then there'd be an eternal commitment. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit perfectly loved one another in that eternal commitment. And they wanted to extend that love. The love was so great they wanted others to know that love, to be beneficiaries of it. So the next concentric circle outward, at some point in the expanses of eternity, God created the angels millions upon millions of super-spiritual creatures, not flesh and blood, but spiritual creatures, and they were extended the love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to them. Then the next concentric circle outward was God created this world perfectly, and he created Adam and Eve and you and me to be extensions of that love. The bottom line is God wanted Adam and Eve and you and me to simply love him with all our hearts, souls, mind, and might and love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we did that, the world would operate as God intended. There would be no mess, stress, and distress. Who is this child? At some point in the human history, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They wanted to be God themselves. And at that moment, all the love that God had placed in their hearts, extended toward him, was flushed out. And it was replaced with sin. Another definition of sin is selfishness, ego. E-G-O, edging God out. It's me being the center of the universe. And Adam and Eve had that, and then they passed it on to every progeny thereafter, (laughs) you and me included. You don't believe that? You don't believe original sin is passed on through a man and a woman conceiving a child? I've asked this question many times, let me ask it again. How many of you have children? Do you have to teach them to obey or disobey? Yeah, you gotta teach them to obey, because their natural bent. At the moment of conception, is to disobey. They want to rebel, That they want the universe to revolve around them. What's the favorite word of a young child? Mine, mine. And that's proof of the rebellion in the garden and what's been replaced again with that love that Adam and Eve had that God extended to them with the angels was hatred and bitterness and strife and selfishness. And in the angelic world, there was one named Lucifer who became Satan and led one-third of the angels with him, and they are the demonic hordes who now work to destroy everything that God originally created as good. They are available, believe me. They exist in this world. They want to destroy you as well. But here's the dilemma for God. Even though we rebelled against him and are separated from him because of our selfishness and sin, he still loves us deeply. And so he tries to figure out in his mind What should he do in order to restore that relationship of love that he wants all of us to have with him, broken in the garden, existing thousands of years? And then at some point in all of human history, the father looked at the son in our rebellious state, and he said, would you go? Would you go? And the second person of the Godhead, the son, submitted himself to the father and said, yes, I'll go. (laughs) The son left the splendor of heaven in all of its perfection and glory and entered the squalor of this earth in all of its misery, mess, and distress. The son put on human flesh as a baby in a manger the incarnations, the fancy theological term. Let me ask you, how many of you like chili? How many of you like chili con carne? What does that mean? It means chili con with carne flesh. Well, the baby in the manger is God con carne. It's God with flesh on, the incarnation. God becomes a human being, totally God, totally human, And this baby Jesus, because he's God, lives perfectly as we can, not goes to a cross, dies for our sins so that we can be forgiven and all of that selfishness be flushed out and love replace it. And Jesus said the bottom line for his teachings in one sentence is love God and love your neighbor. And if we just do that, folks, how much of the mess and stress would be solved? reconnected to God with his love, reconnected to one another with his love. And the Christmas story is all about that. you I mean, just look at Luke's gospel. Let me go through Luke's gospel and, and the four major messengers in the gospel and how each one of them, when they learned who is this child and discovered his name is Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, each one of them wrote a song of praise. The first character is Zechariah in the first chapter of Luke. He's an older man, a priest, and he and his wife wanted more than anything else to be a mama and a daddy. They wanted a son. They wanted a child. they have been waiting for one for a long time. And in that day, to be infertile was a scourge. It was felt that if you're infertile, it's a punishment from God. And frankly, some of you who are infertile today feel that same thing. It's not true. And Zechariah, as a priest, went into the temple one day to pray, a special privilege. And as he was before the altar of God, he lifted up a prayer to God. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. His name was Gabriel, his name means hero of God. What a great name, Gabriel. And he says to Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. You're gonna have a boy, and his name's John. And the name John means God is gracious. If you have that name, God is gracious. If you don't have that name, God is gracious. And this boy John, John the Baptist, would be the forerunner of Jesus. Zechariah, in his older age, just couldn't believe it was true. They'd waited for so long. And what you need to know, if you've waited for something that God has promised you, believe this is true, God's delay is not God's denial. Isn't that good news? God's delay is not his denial. As the children of Israel waited for hundreds of years with the prophecy and cried out, "Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, O come, God, with us. They waited for hundreds of years again. God's delay was not God's denial. The baby's on the way. But Zechariah spoke words of unbelief and God shut his mouth up. God did not want words of doubt and unbelief spoken in the presence of this special child. He doesn't want doubt and unbelief spoken from your words. They destroy. Speak words of life, blessing, especially to your children. So Zechariah shut up for nine months. Finally, John is born. They present him to the priest on the eighth day for circumcision to be named. The priest asks, what is his name? Elizabeth says, John, and everybody says, there's no John in your family lineage. They turn to Zechariah, who's still mute, and he writes on a tablet, John, and at that moment, folks, he can speak. What are the first words that come out of his mouth? A hymn of praise. It's called the Benedictus. For nine months, he couldn't say anything. For nine months, he watched his wife's belly swell, this child promised and given, and he couldn't help but just sing praises to God. Mm. The next step in the journey is Mary. Mary. The same angel, Gabriel, hero of God, appears to her as well and says, Hail, favored one. That's not just a word for Mary. It's a word for you too. If you love God, you're a favored one of God. You're one of his favorites. He loves to bless you. He says to Mary, who's just a young teen, you're going to have a baby. Her question, not one of doubt like Zechariah's, was just how can this be? She'd never had a man. And by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, God created the son in the womb of Mary. He had to be perfectly God and perfectly human to bypass human conception the way sins passed on to be the perfect God-man who can die for the forgiveness of our sins. And then when she realized his name was going to be Jesus, Gabriel said, that's his name. You know what the name means, folks? God saves. Jesus' name is Savior because that's our greatest need, isn't it? Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven, to have our guilt ridden to be able to live in relationship with God in a loving loving way. So she accepts the name of Jesus and then she goes and says to Gabriel, whatever you want, I'll do. Unlike Zechariah, words of faith, words of life, words of hope, words of blessing. Then she goes visits Elizabeth and Elizabeth's five months pregnant with John. Jesus has just conceived in Mary's womb and John leaps in Elizabeth's womb because he's in the presence of his Savior. And then Mary, in response to knowing who Jesus is, she writes a hymn of praises called the Magnificat because her first line was, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies, God is so great, God is so good. Do you believe God is good today? He's so good to you and the proof is Jesus being sent to you. My soul magnifies you, God, you're good, God. The the third people in the story are the shepherds watching their flocks by night and suddenly one angel appears. The angel's unnamed. Could it have been Gabriel? I just wonder. He's so significant in the story. One angel appears and says to them, this night a child is born who's the Savior, the Christ, and the Lord. Wow. The Savior of the world, the Christ, which means the anointed one, the promised one of God, and the Lord. And suddenly a multitude of other angels. I think millions upon millions. And and you know the angels are God's military hosts. They're his armies that protect so many of us from things. I think I'm going to get to heaven and find out God protected me in so many ways with his angels. The angel armies appear, and with a perfect chorus, they start singing the third hymn when Jesus was born called the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward all people. Gloria in excelsis Deo. (laughs) And they just sang. And the shepherds then went and saw the baby, told Mary and Joseph all that had happened. They're probably sitting there going, are you kidding me? (laughs) Then the angel, the shepherds went back to where they were and they just started singing praises. I bet they started singing the Gloria, don't you? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Wow. The fourth story is one that the Christmas time period doesn't often notice, but it's very important. The the character is named Simeon, who comes front and center. Uh, Simeon's an older man, maybe a priest, maybe not, and he had been waiting all of his life until he could see the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the Christ. And he'd waited all of his life. And did I tell you that delay doesn't mean God's denial? Delay doesn't mean God's denial in your life, folks, if he's given you a promise. And Simeon sees Mary and Joseph on the eighth day bringing Jesus to be circumcised, and his name Jesus is given to him. Then on the 40th day, there's a purification ceremony that Simeon watches this child and Mary go through. Mary, the woman, had to go through a purification process according to the law. Blood had to be shed for her forgiveness. And interestingly, the law said you needed to bring a lamb, but Mary and Joseph brought two pigeons. Why? Because the law said if you aren't wealthy enough to afford a lamb, you can bring two pigeons, which suggests that Mary and Joseph were what, folks? They're poor. Jesus was born in a manure-filled stable. They offer two pigeons in their poverty. And we sometimes want our own self-aggrandizement and all God wants is a humble heart that can be filled with his love. God opposes the proud. He opposes the ego edging him out. But he gives life to the humble. And Mary and Joseph were humble before God. Whatever you want, Lord, we're here. And Simeon watches all this happen and he comes forth and in response to all that he noticed with Jesus, he sings a hymn. It's called the Nunc Dimittis. What does that mean? Well, let me read you the hymn. Luke two twenty nine through 32. Lord, how you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. So this child who's born is gonna be a light of salvation. To forgive sins for all the people in all of the world, Jew and Gentile alike. And then he says, Now I can depart in peace. Nunc dimittis is a Latin phrase which means I can now depart. Oh, you do know, don't you? Every single one of us is going to depart. Like planes that have departure times. All of us have a departure time. Only God knows it, but we'll all have one. And Simeon knew his was coming up soon, so he says, Now I can depart. I can leave, I can die in peace because that which had been promised to me has now been fulfilled. Have I told you before that delay is not God's denial? And Simeon had that fulfillment of the Christ child. Then he held the little boy in his arms and he says in Luke 2, 34 and 35, these words, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Think about that. Simeon says to Mary, with the birth of this child, this beautiful baby, hey, two things. First of all, in the years to come, there's gonna be great opposition in Israel against this boy. And secondly, your soul's gonna be pierced because of this boy. Now take a picture of Mary at the end of Jesus' life. She's one of the few at the foot of the cross as Jesus is dying. Don't you think her soul was pierced in sadness and grief? Folks, here's the first biblical perspective of the connection with the cradle and the cross. They're inseparable because God came in the cradle to begin the process of living the perfect righteous life we can't live and then died for us so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of our sin and be separated from God for all eternity. God paid that price on the cross. And the cradle without the cross makes no sense, nor does without the resurrection, which is the crown which proves the cross was valid for the forgiveness of our sins. And what a different world this would be, wouldn't it? If every person loved God and loved their neighbor with everything they have. Who is this child? He's the savior who forgives us for our sins and gives us love in our hearts, not hate. He's the Christ, the chosen one of God to do this work. He's the Lord of the universe. He's in control of everything. And have I ever told you that His delay is not His denial? Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget it.
1: You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a discussion about an often overlooked but important word for this Christmas Eve. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte.
2: Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of Hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen and, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think about it?
0: Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food. It's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, in um, JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reeve Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms. Just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us
2: and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen and the dream center now This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants opened back up, all the meals were shipped to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope and we just pray an unlimited return, harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much.
1: I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi,
0: Jen. It's good to be with you.
1: Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you wrote about the word memory. So how does that word relate to Christmas? Well,
0: here we are, Christmas Eve, and I'm sure a lot of people go, well, talk about love or joy or peace. (laughs) Those are the words you've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and I've gone in my heart. Well, we've talked about those, and I really want to emphasize the word memory because we need not forget mm. what God has done for us during the Christmas season. I just want people to remember this Christmas season and all Christmas seasons for a long time and remember their true meaning. Hmm. You know, we have this debate going on in our culture right now, whether to say happy holidays or Merry Christmas, and some people are going, well, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to say happy holidays. Well, first of all, if you say that, remember the meaning of the word holidays. It comes from holy days. The word holy means set apart. These are different kinds of days, and people go, yeah, it's about Yule tide and Christmas hymns and sugar cake and all of those kind of things. And, and it is, it reminds us of great food and family and football and fun and all of that. But we need to remember that to say Merry Christmas. You're talking about Christ mass, mass meaning worship, Christ meaning Jesus. It is the worship of Jesus mm-hmm. because what happened during this time period, and it wasn't necessarily in December because shepherds wouldn't be watching their flocks by night in December. Mm-hmm. It was probably more in the Passover time period. But during that time period, God sent his son into the world. Why? To save us from our sins. Why? Because our greatest need in the world is not more stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not even a better family situation. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of our sins. Mm -hmm. Gabriel said to Mary, this man who is in your womb is named Jesus. He is the savior of the world. That's what the word name Jesus means. Our greatest need is to be forgiven of our sins. Mm -hmm. And dear friends, don't ever forget, especially as you say, Mary, Christmas to people, that we are worshiping Jesus during this time of mm-hmm. year. He is God in human flesh. He is God who's come among us. He's God who lived the perfect life we could never live. All of us screw up so badly. Jesus never did. He always met the righteous requirements of the moral law, and he went to the cross to take the wrath of God for God's anger against all of our sins and how we've screwed up our lives, screwed up other people's lives, screwed up this world. God poured out his wrath on his son because of love. Mm -hmm. because he loves us so much he did not want us to experience that wrath. And there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins are forever forgiven. We are free. Our identity is not in what's happened to us. Our identity is not found in anything on this earth. Our Mm -hmm. identity is in Jesus and Jesus alone, the Savior of the world who lives in us, has forgiven us of our sins, and now we live for his glory and his glory alone. Merry Christmas. We worship Mm -hmm. Jesus alone. Alone this season and forever. Don't ever forget that. Let memory be a key word in your Christmas vocabulary this year.
1: This is so powerful, and it reminds me of something you you mentioned recently to me. To preach the gospel to yourself every day. Something Tim Keller says. Remind yourself of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Therefore, Christmas Day should be every day.
1: That's right. And I we like should that.
0: awaken each morning, going Merry Christmas.
1: Can I hang lights every As day of the year? May, all year <laughs> long
0: especially in your heart, because Jesus is the light of the world. Everyone, Merry Christmas to you all.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston. Merry Christmas.